is Amanda. And this is Chris. And this is Vocal Perspective. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Vocal Perspective. My name is Chris. I'm here with my co-host, Amanda. Hello. I'm very excited to bring to you a guest. This guest is somebody who has inspired me and just been a really awesome friend and sister in song. I'm excited to finally get to chat with her and dig deep into her brain of how she works. Please welcome Teresa Weatherby to the show. Hi, Hi. Teresa. Hi. Hello. And you're here for episode 101, which it's a number I like a lot, so... Well, thanks for having me. You've been on my list. Amanda and I have these lists and she's like, bring me a list. And it's really awesome. Most of my list, Amanda's like, no, we haven't interviewed that person. So it's super exciting when we get to my list and, and I just start to bring in all the people who have inspired me. And Teresa, you have over 40 years of experience as a member of the same organization that I'm a part of, Harmony Incorporated. But your experience goes beyond that. I know you from Harmony Inc. I know you in the world of acapella, but I'm just starting to see beneath the surface of where that grew from. So I'm excited to get into that today. But I also, Teresa is a performance just guru when it comes <laughs> to being able to have anyone, any song come alive. And I think in the world of acapella, our audience, Teresa, is it spans from barbershop acapella, but all the way to contemporary acapella. And we, we often like to quiz our barbershop guests. And we also like to ask our non-barbershop guests the question, how did you get into acapella like where did your start come with the genre of acapella your performance was probably long before but i'm just curious where acapella landed in your life yeah well that how long do we have um <laughs> <laughs> so harmony incorporated was not around when i was young and to be honest i was an athlete although i did sing in church choirs so my interest was not in music at all and it was in dance as well as majorette if you can believe that i was a young majorette so i not only marched in you know parades and through the baton here and there everywhere but i was also a dancer so that was where my interest was not in singing even though i did sing in the church choir so at a rehearsal one sunday afternoon with my church choir i was 16 years old and one of the ladies that was in the choir actually said to me she said you know I belong to this other women's group or choir she actually said at the time she said and I think you would make it you know it would be a good fit for you and I said oh why is that she said well you sing harmony you sing alto and I said yeah. And at 16, you know, that's, I think that was pretty special back then to be able to sing harmonies and be, only because I loved the Beatles and Simon and Garfunkel. And I listened to every group that would sing harmony. And I was, because there wasn't a whole lot, you know, to listen to back then for acappella music, but there was always harmony available if you listened hard enough. And she that's said, how you having... can tell you're a natural alto is when you're like, give me the harmony. My <laughs> ear is just going to gravitate to not the melody. I always, I would always <laughs> breathe a sigh of relief when I went to the vocal evaluations at, in high school and I would be confirmed that I was still an alto. I was so horrified that my range was going to expand and I was going to be the only one that could sing high that year and they'd make me sing soprano. I was like, I can't do it. I, I, I need a harmony part. Please don't make me. So yeah, I know. So you guys understand. So she actually said to me, we're having a guest night tomorrow night. Now what that means is that you just come along and see if you'd like it. And I was only 16 and I didn't have a car and I didn't, I couldn't drive at the time. And I said, funny, this is crazy. I'll have to go home and ask my mom, <laughs> which feels so if you can talk to her and see if it's okay, I'd be happy to go. And I guess I was curious more than anything. 
because she said it wasn't like church choir. Well, we all love church choir, but if there's so I something got my cert. Else, yeah, <laughs> if there's something else, I'm kind of interested. And so she talked to my mother and long story short, she picked me up and she took me to the guest night and she did reassure me that if I didn't like it, I didn't have to come back. And that was, but for some reason, I think she knew deep down inside that I would because of the harmonies. She just had this feeling. And I'll tell you what, when I walked in, first of all, it was nothing but open arm. It was the Sweet Adeline Chorus in, in what we call Region 1 in Nova Scotia at the time, back in 1976. So please don't do the math because you'll figure out how old I am. So they, it was immediate right up to you know this young teenager and welcoming arms and just thrilled to have somebody of my age there. And they you know, gave me a guest book and they said, please come stand with us on the stage or on the risers. And they started to do vocal warm-ups, which I wasn't used to. You know, you don't do a whole lot of that when you're in church choir and, and just to get your voice warmed up. And it was all melody. I remember it was melody, melody, melody. And I wasn't hearing harmony yet until they did this one exercise. And I went, holy, holy. Oh, well, I don't even <laughs> want to tell you what I did, but wow. You know, here's the harmony part. Here's the melody. Now the bass is you do this and, you know, baritones, you do this. And, and when it all came together, it just, I, I remember the feeling of it exploded in my mind. I just went, you guys did this without any accompaniment. You did this with, how can you do that? <laughs> and I was kind of hooked right from that moment on. And yeah, I stayed with that chorus for two years until I was 18. I graduated from high school. And then I, I took a couple of years off because I, crazy enough, I got married at a very young, got married, went to college and came back. And when I came back, to the same group, they had charted with Harmony Incorporated. So 1981 is when I came back and they had, you know, left Sweet Adelines. And it wasn't because of anything other than Nova Scotia was really hard to compete every two years. So it was financially almost impossible for us to stay. And, and Harmony with... Inc. was booming in that northeast side of the world. Yeah. So for you guys, I can't even imagine where you had to travel for Sweet Adelines, let alone, you know. It was always down in the U.S. <laughs> and so yeah. it was very expensive. Expensive and we decided that, and we heard about Harmony Incorporated from one other group in Nova Scotia. And it didn't take long for all of the other groups as well that were there to leave Sweet Adelines, unfortunately, and go with Harmony Incorporated. It's, I mean, it literally, it's the same with Harmony Incorporated. We could have so many groups that are in the West, but it's just not feasible and it's you know what I mean like we just have those weird gaps in both of our organizations but it's beautiful there's harmony for all there's something for everybody you mm -hmm. can find a place to go which is pretty awesome just yeah. in general I, I think I remember when I was younger in the 80s like in Indiana it was Sweet Adelines and Barbershop Harm or Spebsqua at the time yeah. and, and it was very limited even at that so it was kind of I had to drive an hour to get to the closest you know really chapter for me to participate in so i can't imagine what it was like in nova scotia in although the, middle of the country nova scotia is special to me because that was my first convention that was where i was really introduced to harmony inc as a whole like i'd known chris's quartet and things like that but i'd never experienced it so halifax is a very special place in my heart and you know well, and it was too. enough that i drive an hour to rehearsals now i'm an hour from the closest chapter and it's worth it Worth it's it kind too. of weird, Amanda. Halifax is where I won my first crown. Right. <laughs> and that's where I first met Teresa, which is then like however many years later than how you and I reconnected. We had sung at one show together. We have a long story about that. 
Yeah. But, and then we met, you know, it's just a Halifax, man. It's a magical place. And look Nova what it brought Scotia up. It is a magical place. Yeah. <laughs> it's extremely magical. It, it's kind of funny come full circle because now I belong, I'm back with Sweet Adelines as well as BHS and Harmony Incorporated still. And you're all one of the trifecta. You're one of the right? few. You're one of the few. All of the different organizations. And, you know, we, we all gather together for the same thing, and that's to make music. And it's, I believe it's just a wonderful thing. It's one of those, there's, there's a few of you that can look outside the globe and see outside the snow globe of each organization. And there's only a few of you that have all three and can see so many more of the similarities because mm -hmm. just like news wants you to see polarities that's what we that's what we hear we don't get a lot of the the similarities so i'm so excited to have and we had sandy wright as a guest yeah. once and she's another one of you very few three <laughs> and it's just a beautiful it, it's beautiful for me because i was a very young harmony incorporated champion i came in very young i had just turned 19 and it is another world to me in all of the organizations. And now with BHS opening its arms, it's a whole new world for me there too, because I've only known Barbershop, Harmony Society, Speb School, whatever, as from a spectator. And I've only seen it from that perspective. And I'm excited to, to see behind the curtain, they say. I want to ask you, Teresa, for you from a performance standpoint, so you are a performance category specialist still? Are you the, because you're, you're the, yes. like the, like the head of the performance category. Yes. For, for, for Harmony Incorporated. For Harmony Incorporated's judging. You yes. also are certified as a performance judge for the Barbershop Harmony Society as well. For you to be able to keep that all straight, I <laughs> noticed that you'd have just a, it's not an individual model. It's a one, it's like, here it is. And I just yeah. want like, talk us through how you've been able to compartmentalize all of that into this pretty little package that anybody, everybody, including the contemporary acapella world can use. Give us your, your elevator pitch on performance, I guess. Well, interesting enough, I just believe that the music tells us what to do. I think it doesn't matter, you know, whether it's women or men or mixed or when you are a singing performer and you choose a piece of music, you have certain responsibilities to that piece of music to be able to bring it to life. And it's not for me, it's always about the music and to help performers understand their role as to what to do with it is kind of my niche, if you want to, if you want to put it that way. And utilizing all of the performance category elements to be able to help them understand how this would score, you know, but for, for the most part, if you kind of really want to know the bottom line is that I, my specialty is training the performer, not necessarily helping them with their performance, although that does come into play. But my primary interest is training the performer on knowing what skills is required to be able to bring the music to life. I love that. And you do 100% live that. I have watched you work and you'll be alongside, you know, somebody doing music, somebody doing singing or coaching those music and singing. And it is always so singularity with you, like, all right, you might have sang the wrong note, but you never even it like never even crosses your brain. Like you're one of those people that if you're singing something and but you just performed the crap out of it, you'll just talk about that. <laughs> and there's other judges that would be so distracted by maybe some noise, but you can see the performer. And that's something that I wish I could do. I'm so distracted. <laughs> and it's well, and well, it's I'm often underestimated in competition. Because I mean, and I see it in contemporary acapella too, where 
people are so focused on getting the right note that they forget that so much of the performance is the performance part of it, the visual part of it. And so it's it's nice to have someone like you is like, hey, this part's kind of maybe the most important part for especially for an audience that isn't so tuned into a barbershop chord. Most people that are laymen would go in and be like, I don't know if the baritone sang the right note. But you know, if the baritone was boring to, to watch. Yeah. And it's, it's more than visual learned over the years with, with in the barbershop world in particular is that there hasn't, it's not that performers or singers don't want to perform. A lot of the times it's the elements that are missing in their knowledge. They do what they know. And a lot of the times it's not enough and it's no fault of theirs. They haven't been trained. If you think about the training that barbershoppers go through, a lot of it is focused on the words and the notes. And then it's left up to their own demise at times to understand how to perform it. Unless of course, somebody comes in and helps them with, you know, what to do with it. And that still elevate your performance level, you know, if it's just a plan or staging and that sort of thing, the performer still has a long way to go to be able to bring it to life and to make it believable and natural on the stage. There's some elements that are missing in there. And that's to be able to, for the performer to be able to think about what to do and to be able to emotionally connect with that, you know, from the thinking to the feeling aspect of what they are doing on the stage. You can help identify what's missing. And like I said, I, there's no fault to the, to the barbershop world. This is fairly new for people to understand that we have to stop looking at ourselves as singers first and then performance later. You know, that's kind of backwards as to what the audience sees, because they're going to see the performer and hopefully what they're performing is what they're hearing, you know, what the audience is hearing. So it's funny because it's backwards for the audience. They want to see what they hear and the performer, you know, their mindset is, I have to sing really well first so they'll stay interested, which is not really the case. It's kind of backward. And I have learned that more from the contemporary acapella world and even just the professional acapella world, I don't want to say contemporary, just professional acapella world, that at times, or not even at times, you start with the entertainment value of something and then you work your way down. So like, Okay, is it entertaining? Yeah, cool. Is it like fit for our group? Yep, great. Do we have somewhere to use it? Sweet. How much time do we have to make it difficult? And that's where it's like, you know, is it worth the difficulty? Whereas barbershop starts at like difficult, even at its easiest. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, which one do we get to like leave off last? And we can't really afford to leave any of them off because in order for barbershop as a art to survive, we need to entertain. Yeah. But what we do well is sing really hard, difficult things and beautiful, crunchy chords that <laughs> suck us in when we're 16 years old and make us think we'll never, ch we're going to chase this for the rest of our life. We're never going to find anything else that makes this sound like barbershop. Yeah. yeah, it's so true that we do make it difficult, but it is pretty special. So it's yep. not that it's easy to any from the outside. It, it seems easy. But then when you start to do it, it's soon to realize that it isn't. And so I think that's when we have to quickly yeah. remind ourselves 
back to entertainment, let's perform. Ironically, Chris, you know, that's what the whole performance category is. Judging is the entertainment value of the performance. And how often do the performers think about that? You know, and oh I, gosh, I, it's I often, like the last two weeks, let's just be honest. Right. <laughs> and I say to performers all the time, I'll walk in and I'll say, oh, how, this song, why, why this song? What's your connection to it? Most importantly, how do you want your audience to experience it? And then the final question is, where's the entertainment value in this song? And a lot of times they can't tell me because they have no idea. So if you don't know where the entertainment value is, how are you going to be able to communicate it or express it so that it becomes entertainment value to the audience? That in itself mm -hmm. is a huge lesson. I mean, in that, we see it happen when, you know, whoever's in charge of the group picks a song and the rest of the group is like, well, we don't really connect with this but we'll put on a smile and we're <laughs> fooling no one. Yeah, exactly. And I also think there's these times where we um, wonder why some groups come out and do so well so quickly. They're like, well, that's unfair. Like, it didn't take them a long time. Well, if four of them or even three of them or even two of them or, or maybe even one of them has any kind of training in the professional idea of, or the performance idea of entertainment and connecting to a song and being more than not enough, because I get that a lot. I just not enough. Like, give more. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. But you see quartets that come in and have three people who do that. Barbershop is still just as hard for them. It's still just as difficult. They do the same music, but for some reason there, or not some reason, it's easier for them because they've been trained in the performance. And I think, I think the performance category is underrated. I think it counts for a heck of a lot more than we know. You know, those of us who are just sitting out in the audience, I think if you could put two of the exact same song, same, you know, right next to each other, have the same quartet, do it with not trying to emote the song and then actually selling you the song or not even selling it to you. Yeah. I think there, you'd, there you'd is understand. an understanding of how to do that. So the performance category really is quite simply real living in imaginary circumstances. Okay. The real living aspect is it is that's where the connection happens for you, the performer through the, the circumstances that the text and the song is, you know, saying, so what you have to communicate doesn't necessarily have to be something that you've been through, but you can naturally relate to it because we have life experience. So it's it's the ability to be able to put yourself into the circumstances and imagine sometimes if we have to or bring our real life experience to that piece of music that's going to bring it more to life. And so having that understanding helps the performer be better connected to it. So I believe doesn't matter what your training is. I believe when you understand your role and how to bring the music and how to be able to communicate to the audience, when you understand how to do that, you can do it. This sounds like I was reading through a few of your things and I really wanted to go to Harmony University last year. Are you going to be teaching this year? Unfortunately, no. Bummer. Well, you had a course and it was called The Singing Actor. And mm -hmm. I think that's what this is about. And absolutely, for me, that is always, it's just fascinating because I, and I will, I'll do the stereotypical thing. I am a baritone. I live in my brain. I just, I'm a nerd out on chords and 
I don't care what my face looks like. I could cover it all and be fine, but that doesn't work. I've somehow managed to win two championships and I'm very honored with that. But for me, my weak link was my my ability to let go and, your and face, connect. Chris. It was your face. My your... face. That was my weak link was my face. No, um, no, I'm not gonna be too hard on myself, but I definitely feel like that's a place where I could learn and I have a, and I still try and I thank Amanda every day for having me in snow day because that has allowed me to man, children are the best people to sing for because their Absolutely. faces don't their faces don't lie so if you yep. can get them to smile they have no filter <laughs> none at all nope none at well, all and that's been fun for me chris because i've been doing snow day for so long and then to have you and tony colosmo who have been you know giants for me in the in the barbershop world to watch the two of you be so uncomfortable has been so much fun. <laughs> so much fun. She hands us a microphone and we're like, we're like, we're, we're like, we're going to be cool. And we're just terrified. We are just, Tony, not so much anymore. He is way cooler than he has gotten so much farther on the cool spectrum there. But man, he I. He has children. Yeah. He has children. Lots he knows of them. how to relate now. Lots of them. And he's wait, just down the road from me. It's so cool. We're like neighbors now. And, but yeah, it's coming from two sides and kind of meeting in the middle. And I'm so excited. Where Harmony Incorporated, Barbershop Harmony, Sweet Adelines as well, where they're going, where they were headed before we lost all of our competitions. And I'm not trying to say that we've lost everything in competitions, the end all be all, but that's when we got to just see the perfection in the craft. We got to watch the craft at work. I'm a director of a men's chorus now, and I spend a lot of my time trying to balance the art of it all and the, and the fun and the fraternity it's just an ever ebbing because that's all my group is an all-male group and so trying to find my place in that and try to inspire them but also let them be in the group for what they're there for which is also a social aspect when contemporary acapella groups get together they're like we are going to compete or we're going to make money or we're going to do shows you know it's just a different mindset so it's been nice to meet in the middle and try to find a happy yeah a happy I, medium. I think my realization of what we were missing and this was back in my presentation days you know i've just celebrated 25 years as a perform presentation performance judge with harmony incorporated is that i was also involved in musical theater where i was the choreographer and the vocal coach so interesting enough i did this one production of 40 cast members aging from five years old to probably you know in their late 30s and the production was a musical so it was there was a lot of dancing a lot of movement but there was primary principal performers that even at that level high level of understanding of musical theater still were not truly connecting with the songs they were singing. And it was really interesting for me to witness that sitting as a coach, sitting there watching this and helping them to connect with what happened before this big song. You know what's going to happen in the future because you know this play, you know the storyline, but the audience doesn't. And if they could only see this one song, would those characters still come to life? And I was like, oh my gosh, that's barbershop we get what act one and act two and that's it and sometimes they don't even they're they're not even connected it's you know a total two different, different stories songs, yeah. right so i was starting to apply the same concepts to my coaching with one song i started to realize does the audience are they prepared for what you're going to perform? Better yet, are you prepared for what you're about to perform, knowing the audience doesn't even know you, doesn't know what's happened, doesn't even know why you're breaking into song? And so I started to make the connection of the skill sets that is really required in anybody who communicates through music. 
whether it's acapella, whether it's opera, whether it's barbershop, whether it's, you know, a violin anybody. concerto, right? You know what anybody. I mean? It's, it really goes all the way down to the, just the very, the, the tone, the music you're hearing and the emotion the, behind it. Yeah. The way you so, play the instrument, the way you communicate through all the body language. That goes for that. the triangle players in, in the orchestra too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm curious, Teresa, yeah. what are some of your favorite performances? Because I think we learned, I, Chris and I, I think we learned in our last competition, everything not to do, but maybe people <laughs> need an example of what to do. So I'm curious as to what have been some of your favorite performances. And now, are you asking that for the barbershop world or? It can be anything, anything, anything that's anything, like really. just moved you in a performance or I don't know, acapella would be nice. Acapella. Okay. Or, or barbershop. you know, one, barbershop's in acapella. So I think one of the finest crossover performances of all time was Westminster and doing the greatest showman package. I, I think that was probably a highlight for me. I, I couldn't sit still. I think I was yeah. on the floor by the end of that performance. Yeah. I just fell out of yeah. my chair. <laughs> I wanted to jump, jump. As, I wanted, yeah, I was screaming. I, I, it really was, was... I think we weren't there and it was a good thing because I'm pretty sure my son was watching it and singing right along with them and like it would have just, he would have Were they doing flips and cartwheels in your living room? Chris? Probably over the couches, you know. <laughs> well, it was just the ability, it was every element of musical theater that they brought to the barbershop stage, which was the truly the, the their great representation of the singing act their acting was definitely first and for you know in the forefront of their mind although they do sing well their too. singing never suffer so. exactly like that's an element of it right like you have to yeah. you got to balance it both i mean are they the all movement. like all running like 10 miles a day because i get <laughs> exhausted just watching them well, interesting you should say that amanda because when kentucky vocal union was you know one of my bigger courses back in the day and leading up to uh footloose i can remember the challenge that went on in the front row saying, okay, we have to lose 10 pounds. We have to get in shape to be able to do this dancing. And it's true. They did. They went on a diet. They went on an exercise regime. They were just like challenging each other. Of course, the brothers, you know, they have a real tight relationship and Aaron Dale, you know, pushing that was one of the big advocates of it. And they definitely did it. And it was very successful because that third place with that performance and one of the highlights of the barbershop world as well. I was going to say there's quite a few of their performances, honestly, that stand out. And even some of their ballads, Man in the Mirror, I, I show that still to this day to my even church choir group when I want to talk <laughs> about how you can sing a pop song yet make it spiritual make it something that really touches you to your core it's it's you know michael jackson did that he'd sing 80s pop songs but we all were weeping the first time we listened to some of them and man in the mirror is similar to me and there's that was kentucky vocal union as well and they've done thriller and some other other ones but footloose but that was the first time that i had heard of, how many did they have Teresa on stage for footloose yeah probably 40 yeah and that is, to me, the smallest. I don't know if there's been a smaller group that has scored that high. The level of athleticism you have to have because those front row guys couldn't stop singing. No, they didn't. And they never they, did. Yeah, and they couldn't. <laughs> the yeah, and to couldn't. be fair, they had a lot of training before that year. I'd been working with them for probably four years. And the journey just, you know, kept changing and changing. So the training they were getting earlier on being the singing act, being able to sing without a director, perform without a director, all of those skill sets, you know, help them to be the success 
they were along the way. And the dancing just got, you know, it got bigger and movement got bigger. And, you know, so they were, if you go back to when they did uh, Deed I Do, that was cool, slick movements that Barbershop had never seen before. And it was the beginning of what, you know, KVU gave us later on in years. And it was the training of being able to sing and do those kind of movements that uh, helped them to be successful, especially with Footloose. Yeah. It was so good. So good. <laughs> Man, Teresa, did you ever work with Toronto? Um, Toronto Northern Lights? No. Yeah. I always wondered if your Canadian connection had gotten you there. They're another group that often acted more than other groups. They brought in an element of acting that really took you there from another male barbershop. It's so funny. We're talking about men's barbershop. Let's go to female barbershop. We're a vocal perspective show, right? There are so many groups that can do so little, but so much. And Mm -hmm. I I consider groups like Northern Blend and their ability to just tell you a story with their faces from 40, 50, 60 feet away, I can still tell you exactly what that chorus wants me to feel. They're unified in it. And that's something that I hear in the contemporary acapella world too, is unifying your vision. That doesn't mean everybody has the same story, the same connection. It's unifying the vision of what the audience needs to experience at the end or in the middle or in the beginning. And how do you help groups unify that vision without taking too much time in rehearsal the music tells you it's all about what's in the story the story will give you the emotions like don't try to change it too much like we have to be it's like analyzing a script you have to be true to the text for it to be unified if everybody had their own opinion of what the interpretation was then well that doesn't work that way as you know because you get mixed messages and mixed emotions and it just you know it doesn't feel unified and it certainly won't look unified so be true to the text and it'll tell you like i said earlier when you use your life experience with what the um, emotions are to be conveyed then you can really relate to the emotions you might not be able to relate to the circumstance and say i've never been through that how can i connect with that well it's not about connecting to the circumstances it's about connecting to the emotions and so once you identi- you know can identify what those emotions are it really does uh, unify the overall impact that you have on the audience going with the emotions that is asking of you to communicate and, and display i guess so it's quite simple really but it is and you know when i'm sitting here going oh this is a vocal perspective we should talk about women i went you know what this is the difference this isn't about male female no. not you know non-binary anybody this is at the root of just human interaction and connection. It's not about anything else. Right, and I also believe that's why we can sing any song and make it our own. If, you know, some people say, well, I really can't connect because I've never been through that. Well, your role isn't to relive a circumstance that is not in this song. Your role is to, and your responsibility to, is to bring it to life through your life experience and being able to relate to the circumstances. You know, when I say this to to performers, they say, well, I, I can't relate. I've never been married. Can you imagine three ways that we express on stage the tools that we use is through our voice, our body, and our imagination. 
So we need, you know, we'll say, okay, but can you imagine what that would feel like? Can you imagine what that would be like? Yeah, like, did and you see your one... parents married? Did you ever witness a married couple? Did you ever see a married couple? What did you imagine yeah. that was like? Right. I mean, in and the movies, spell yeah, it out you watched for a you. movie? I mean, it, <laughs> yeah. Might be a little over the top, but it's still there. Well, I you can always about... dial it back. Right. Well, I think about somebody like Tom Hanks, if he's playing a role, if he's playing a role of a killer, I mean, he never would play a role. But if he was, well, we know that's not who he is. But somehow he's got the ability to be able to bring a serial killer to life on stage, on the screen. So what he's done, he's analyzed the script. He analyzes the character. What would the character go through? What would be his relationship with his mother? What would have been his relationship with, you know, the people that he lived with? He would understand every aspect of what that character would go through to get to where he became the serial killer. All of that relates to the outcome of what he portrays. Yeah, and I'm fairly certain he has never been stranded on the island and made a volleyball his best right. friend. And by right. golly, did I cry when Wilson drifted away because he lost his best friend? <laughs> Heck yes, I did because he was such a good actor and he convinced me that he really misses that volleyball. He might. Well, and he he probably put himself in a position where he was alone. He probably, you know, he mm -hmm. might have locked himself in the room for three days or, you know, he actors do that. They They prepare for the role they're playing. Because yeah, they're getting ready to make hundreds of millions of dollars doing this. I think if I was going to get paid millions of dollars to sing, I would prepare for it too. But yes, that method acting, it's why it's a thing, right? It's why it works. However, you don't have to be that drastic. Yeah. However, why do we do what we do? We want to entertain our audiences. We could use the same methodologies. We could, you know, we could still understand what that character is going through and dig a little deeper than we often do. And I believe that will help raise our you know, performance level. Maybe get past the what we think we should do and get to like what we think we should do. You know, like there's like that <laughs> level of somebody told me to do this once. So I do this yeah, all that's, the time. That's, that's we had, the uh... tossing the salad and the bowling <laughs> elephant. You can't see me, but I'm moving my arms, guys, in the stereotypical... Well, and, I, you know, and it's just, it you know, we, we kind of have some monkey see, monkey do because we were filming our virtual show. We filmed it outside. We hadn't seen each other in six months for our, our virtual school show. And then afterwards, we're like, let's sing a tag because three of us were barbershoppers and my husband can just kind of... And we have a barbershop song in the show, so he knew that one. And if you yeah. watch the video, our hands naturally just did the same thing at the same time because that's what we've been taught to do it is like programmed into our brains and it's okay it happens right but I but think, it was it was very I tossing think, the salad and yeah and, I think that's when I really just want to be able to like, scrape off that layer of foam that makes everything really cute and and then get to why I'm singing the song there it is there's <laughs> the there's the word why you know we, we often know what we want to do and we often know how we're going to do it but do we understand why we're going to do it? so if you think about everything you do and within the performance and you ask that question why am i doing this if you can't answer it and it doesn't have meaning then don't do it because yeah, if know, somebody it, asked it, you why and you couldn't give them a reason they'd be like oh well then i don't believe you right why am i doing this <laughs> yeah yeah 
So there, you know, I believe if we if we think more about what we are doing, then we'll think more of why we're doing it. Because a lot of times you're right, it's second nature. We don't even realize we're doing it. There's a it's subconscious. It's so innate, a part of our performance. And a, a lot of the times nobody tells us so we can't change it. So that's why videos are really important to do. If you're going to do a performance video, video yourself get in front of audiences more. You know, there's lots of there's lots of ways to better your performance if you want. I hope that's That's helpful. amazing. All right, um, Teresa. So is there anything that you're currently doing? I know you had are you still doing your company? Are you still have your performing coaching your performance coaching? I want to engage just, on stage. Yes. That is gonna that's yes. it. That's what I was trying to come up with. So that's such I wanna a great make sure name. we I wanna make sure we plug it so that you know your oh. name is out there and people who well, are looking you. for it. Yeah. There are more people than you know who are just ready and biting at the bit to get back to working on performing. That has I think singing has been worked on a lot over the pandemic. Yeah. Right. My guys have heard themselves on recording and they now hear it themselves a lot better, which is great. But we've also I spent a lot of time with you know, they didn't want to turn their cameras on. They didn't want to look weird on camera or we just weren't getting out in the community. We weren't engaging with our singing. We weren't getting feedback from live beings. So oh, and I, like every time I got, cause I was editing videos for Bella Nova every time everyone's like, Oh my gosh, I look terrible in this video. Sorry. So well, I think engage on stage could be the answer to a lot of people's questions, but I, there's only one Teresa. So you guys yeah. are gonna have to be patient. She does have other things that she's doing, which I, I don't know. Are we allowed to, can we talk about, can we talk about the new chorus? Yeah, absolutely. Is it, is it out, is it, is it, is it out there? Can we, can we talk about it? I was like mum for a very long time. And so yeah. I, you know, it's one of those, like, I felt like I signed an NDA, but it's just for you guys. I wanted you to have your moment to decide when, you know, you felt like comfortable being out there so let's talk about this new chorus this awesome chorus by the way and it's kind of your baby yeah right? well you know yeah thanks for that chris we actually have to retrain some of most of our our performers because we're not a chorus we don't we want to look at you know we want to have the vision of being a vocal ensemble really like an acapella nice. ensemble and so we take away that stigma of chorus because that puts us in a different mindset than if we were a performing entity of a vocal ensemble, then you kind of have more ownership. And so that's, we, our names are Vocal Moxie. We come from, I think it's 10 different states in America. People were chosen, as you, if you want to call it, invited to participate. And our bottom line is we want to make beautiful music. And we do that through acapella music, you know, whether it's barbershop or five, six, seven, eight part harmony, we, we do it. And our vision is that every time we get together to have an in-person rehearsal, which is only once every four months, is that we put on a show, we entertain people. So it's a lot of behind the scenes work. And so the dedication and commitment to the level of singing, you know, behind the scenes is, is really high so that when we get together, we work on the performance, really. That's kind of what it is. So we've had three, three in-person <laughs> rehearsals in the span of almost a year, because May will be our, our first anniversary of our first in-person rehearsal. And that was just to get to know each other. But since then, we the second one, we were in Florida during September, and we kind of just did some little performances around the hotel. But then our third one was in Phoenix in January, and we put on a show. And so that was pretty 
pretty fun and exciting for us. And we shared the stage with a male acapella group, Acapella Syndicate. So yeah, that's, we've got 18 performers and there's no openings as of right now. It's so cool, guys. I mean, I got to be a little bit of a fly on the wall. My mom is a member, so I'm super proud of her. And I got to fill in, just sit in and sing some songs, woodshed some songs with some ladies because they didn't have a baritone available one day. So I was like, oh, sing in there. And the level of singing and it's not even just level of singing there's lots of excellent singers the dedication to it and not just the music on the page but when you said your goal is to make beautiful music it's top to bottom it's not just singing the right chords and the right notes and the perfect vowels it is everything from understanding what you're singing why you're singing it and that is not just even just the whole song that's the first phrase and then the second phrase and it's not like micro dissecting the song it's just this beautiful way that they work and I've I've gotten to watch it and I get to see my mom so happy so keep your eyes out if they end up auditioning people ladies you know but just be ready to have such an entertaining and um, beautiful experience they sing like dreams and uh, many of my friends are in that group and I just love them so I can't wait my mom let me have a shirt I made myself a shirt so I and I think it says supporter or fan or something like that and I just I, I am I'm a fan and I've been waiting to be able to be a fan and I can't wait Thank to see you. you all in person it'll just be well you never know where we're going to be we're you know we're working on the next in-person rehearsal so we I try mean, to go from one coast to the other. So I was we thinking maybe, forward. you know, internationals in Charlotte. You just never know. Never know. And I mean, we're in Washington, D.C. I'm just going <laughs> to say that. But, you know, in a time, I think, you know, groups are hopefully starting to transition back to in-person rehearsals for the most part, the groups that live near each other. So for you to choose to create this chorus that is forever going to be a lot of online, a lot of virtual uh, interaction you know, what's the secret to keeping them motivated to do that? Because I know a lot of people are just like, okay, I'm tired of virtual rehearsal. I'm tired. I think it's because it's a small ensemble and everybody matters. And because we only sing, you know, we sing parts, honestly, like if we sing an eight part arrangement, we only have 18 singers, you know, everybody's important. And I, I also believe that we're, there's a lot of us that are old enough and been around enough to know that if you want to make beautiful music, you're responsible for that, you, you know, and so it's, it's that kind of a commitment level that we just, you want to do it. There's, you know, it's because for you, it's your your responsibility, but more importantly, it's your commitment level. And so the more that you put into it, the more that you'll get out of. And I think that's the understanding. And it's not micromanaged and it's, you know, everybody supports everybody. It's a real loving family feel to it. We have our in-house arranger slash director, Brent Graham has, he feels, (laughs) sometimes he feels like he's cheating on me because he's just, he just loves so many women that, you know, and these women are so special to him. So it's kind of funny, but yeah. Just and takes the pressure off you, Teresa. You right? know, he can just, you know. yeah, it was like, okay. Yeah. And, you know, back to engage on stage, if I can, you know, you've, you, like you said, you've folk, uh, the last couple of years has been primarily focusing on their singing and that sort of thing. And I always said, this is the time to focus on your performance skills. This is the time to understand where you are as a performer and where you'd like to be and how am I going to get there? And engage on stage not only works with barbershoppers as for ensembles, but I work individually 
individually as well. And I have a lot of musical students and workshops are one of my favorite things to do with musical theater students. But the skill sets that I teach and train in these workshops, I can do with individuals. And so if you want or if you're interested in individual training and performance, my email address is Teresa at engageonstage.com. And you can reach me there and I'd be happy to set something up. And I do free consultations. So that's, you know, I think that's a bonus. If you just want to talk, you know, let me know and we'll talk. And See. as we know, she travels like she was just in England <laughs> and she was in Arizona. Now she's in Pennsylvania. Who knows where she'll be yeah. tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen. Or so. Heading back to Phoenix tomorrow. Yay. Back to the warmth, hopefully. It's a little cold here. Yeah. And to be back with my Sweet Adeline chorus. Oh my gosh, you have yeah. another chorus too. Yes. A little Sweet Adeline chorus in Region 21. And, and we're having Deborah Lynn in for a workshop weekend with individuals first. And then we're going to do work with sections with her and make uni you know, unity sound in the sections. And then Monday night will be a rehearsal with the whole chorus together. So Fun. We're excited Amanda, about have, that. Have we had Deborah Lynn on yet? No. I have to. I know we do. I got to work on that. Me. If we, yeah, if you haven't had her on, we got to get her on. Belcanto. No. Belcanto singing is an incredible addition to everything you've ever learned about breathing and singing. So this yeah. is not her show. I mean, we don't need to plug Deborah Lynn, but she's, a, <laughs> she's fabulous. She is fabulous. Oh, all right. Well, Teresa, especially for me, who has only gotten to watch your work from afar, this has been. This is such an important part of why we do what we do and helping people get that love out because we know it's there. We know the love is in there. It's just how do you show it to the world? And I think you've given everyone a lot of great advice today. And we're just really honored to have had you on the show. So thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. Thank, thank you, you so for having much. me. <laughs> and we'll see you next Tuesday. All Bye. right.